0: Uh, before we start, I just, I just want to take this opportunity to show some heartfelt appreciation for your music directors, specifically for not making us sing Shine, Jesus, Shine on Transfiguration Sunday. It means the world to me. Thank you. <clears throat> I know it's not the best form to say not nice things about Bible texts, but if You made me choose one story from the Gospels that I find the least useful. It would probably be this one, Um, especially this Sunday. It's year three of a global pandemic and Russia is invading a neighboring democracy And so many of our kids are struggling with their mental health, so basically, what do I care that Peter, James, and John witness some magical stuff on a mountain? Like, I have no idea what the real-life application to that is. Not to mention, uh, when Peter says, it's good for us to be here, it just feels like the spiritual version of putting your Paris vacation up on Instagram. Like, I imagine Peter with the selfie stick being like, hey, Moses, just just move a little clo- little closer to Elijah. And then posting it on social media with a caption that says, OMG, so fangirling on this mountain right now. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag it's good for us to be here. So, yeah, good for you, Peter. Uh, you got to see the most awe-inspiring thing ever. Jesus Transfigured on a mountain, having a little chat with the biggest spiritual rock stars of all time before God literally spoke out of a cloud. A few guys witnessed the cloud of unknowing, the ineffable transcendence of God. They saw a moment of holiness no one else has. But what about the rest of us? How do we even start to reach for those kinds of heights? Because we are here in the valley of the shadow of real life. The closest I got to experiencing awe and wonder this week was 30 minutes of yoga and buying new snacks at Trader Joe's. So yeah, having spent half the week kind of annoyed that I had to preach on the transfiguration again, I'm just being honest, I kept taking breaks to read a book that just came out this week by author Cole Arthur Riley, who's the creator of Black Liturgies. It's called This Here Flesh. And this quote felt exactly right for this moment. She actually speaks about awe and wonder in a way I can relate to. Wonder, Riley writes, includes the capacity to be in awe of humanity, even your own. It allows us to jettison the dangerous belief that things worthy of wonder can only be located on nature hikes and scenic overlooks. Now, I know this is a dangerous thing to say in Colorado, given our state religion. But I think it's a helpful thing to preach on the Feast of the Transfiguration in the year of our Lord, 2022. Because after reading Riley, I realized I was actually in awe all week at something in this text. I, I was actually experiencing a sense of wonder. But it wasn't about Moses and Elijah up on a shiny mountain in the middle of the story. It was about that terrified parent struggling with an out-of-control kid at the end of the story. That spoke to me. When they came down from the Magic Mountain, the text tells us that a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. A spirit seizes him and he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they couldn't. I don't know how many of us are having mountaintop epiphanies right now, But I do know that many of our kids aren't doing well right now. So many of them, and let's be honest, so many of us are mauled from the inside by poor mental health. We're thrown into the dirt by addictions. Our anxieties convulse us and scarcely leave us alone. And how safe do we feel about being actually honest about it? I cannot imagine the shame the man who spoke out of the crowd felt. This was his only child. He didn't also have an honor student at home, or like a kid who just got a football scholarship. This was it, his one child. I wonder if he had to fight off the self-incrimination we feel when our kids are struggling with their demons. The self-blaming thoughts of, if I had only not worked so many hours. If I would only left their dad before things got as bad as they did. If only I didn't let them hang out with those other kids. We know for a fact that this man and his son were living in a who sinned, this man or his parents' time where people wanted to know who or what was to blame for an ailment. And yet this exhausted dad spoke up in the middle of a crowd and said, please see my son. So yeah, I'm in awe of the humanity it took for him to do that. Because so many of us would rather die than admit in the middle of a crowd of people that those in our care aren't doing well. But then Jesus responds, you faithless and perverse generation. And these are such harsh words in the mouth of our Savior. But he gave his disciples the power to heal this disturbed boy, and they failed. And I've always wondered if it was because some kinds of people struggling with some kinds of things are just too uncomfortable to look at. I mean, there's a reason we recoil from the suffering of others and search for reasons why somebody was like, diagnosed with cancer. Who sinned, this man or his parents? Was it their diet? Oh, I don't eat red meat, so I should be fine. Were they a smoker? Oh, I never smoked, so I'm not in danger. Did their mom have a career? Oh, I stayed at home with my kids, so we should be safe. We scan the lives of those who suffer for who and what is to blame. Maybe that is what is faithless and perverse. But we do it so that we do not have to look life in the eye and see that there is no satisfying answer to why them and not us. Or why us and not them. So a few guys seeing some really spiritual fireworks on a mountain just didn't feel like it had a lot to offer right now. But this week, the faith of that frightened dad with an out-of-control son who braved the judgment and shame of others and said, look at my son, that did inspire me. Because what I really needed was the way that Jesus, fresh off the mountain, hesitates not at all to heal those in the valley. Jesus said, bring him here. And as the dad and his kids were approaching Jesus, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions so much, he was foaming at the mouth, and Jesus didn't look away. It did not make him uncomfortable. He did not look for who or what was to blame, maybe because Jesus was just about to set his own face to Jerusalem, where he was next to suffer and due to no fault of his own. The text says he rebuked the unclean spirit. He healed the boy and gave him back to his father. So yeah, shiny Jesus on a mountain this week was of no comfort to me because I do not know how to reach for that kind of glory from here in the messiness and uncertainty of real life. But the Son of Man, reaching unflinchingly into the chaos of dirt and saliva surrounding an out-of-control kid fighting their demons, that's different. The Prince of Peace rebuking the demons that maul us from the inside. The Holy One of God healing a troubled boy. Yes, that is the epiphany of the glory of God I needed this moment in time. Because maybe this story isn't about the unreachable holiness of God. Maybe, taken as a whole, it is a story about the transfiguration of holiness itself. I've always sort of loved and hated what Richard Rohr says about this, that Real holiness never feels like holiness. It just feels like you're dying. But I think it's true. I think in the transfiguration, Jesus collapses any meaningful distinction between lofty mountains and dusty valleys, fulfilling the words of the prophet Isaiah that every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The glory of God shall be revealed, and all people see it together. Jesus has made low even the mount of his own transfiguration to be with us. You need not reach for glory, because holiness has come to dwell with us in the valley of our shadows. You need no longer climb up, strive for, or achieve holiness, for it is too busy already reaching into the troubled dirt of your humanity. It has come to dwell with us in the valley of our shadows. The curtain of the temple is being torn in two so that grit and glory are indistinguishable. Holiness has come to dwell with us in the valley of our shadows. And so... The brokenhearted and the fearful and the confused and the lost and the least and the lonely can say, Amen.